most trusted voice in professional wrestling. Look at this! More than four decades behind the mic. Plain and simple. With unrivaled success in broadcasting. From ringside to the boardroom to the New York Times bestsellers list. What an impact! Keen insight with a sharp tongue. And if they're smart, they'll listen. Westwood One Podcast Network presents The Jim Ross Report. <laughs> with WWE Hall of Famer Jim Ross. And now, the man himself, good old JR. Yes, indeed. Hello again, everybody. I am good old JR Jim Ross. Thank you very much for tuning in to the Jim Ross Report here on the Mighty. Westwood One, and I uh, appreciate you subscribing for free, by the way, uh, to our show at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, uh, TuneIn, and Stitcher, by the way. So we appreciate you guys uh, leaving those five-star ratings as well uh, on our show. Uh, always, I'll try to remind you of this again at the end of the day. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at JRSBBQ, and I'm on Facebook and Instagram at Jim Ross BBQ. just for the for thought uh today's guest is one of the greatest of all time in the wrestling ring but we're going to hear i think a different side of rob van dam than we've ever heard before uh and i i had a very uh, stimulating conversation with rob earlier today and i think you're really going to dig it uh it's a different side of him talking about more different issues uh and uh it's, it's about more than just dangerous high spots and chair shots to the head. So, uh, you know, the last time I saw Rob Van Dam was at our show in Dallas uh, during WrestleMania 32 weekend. Uh, he dropped by. I think Hurricane Helms was with me there that night. Jeff Hardy. We had quite the crew. So, uh, and uh, Rob's getting ready to get back in the ring for a one-off situation. He's going to be teaming with Savu against uh, the Lucha Brothers. That's going to be at, at Impact United. United we stand, I should say. That's a special event on April the 4th in Rahway, New Jersey. We'll talk to Rob about that. So you picked a good day to join us. There's a lot of news to talk about, a lot of uh, speculation over what's going to happen at WrestleMania. But uh, let's get it started. We're burning daylight, as my hero John Wayne would say, because here's what's on my mind. Certainly a lot of things are on my mind, but nothing more compelling than the uh, recent passing of the great WWE Hall of Famer Pedro Morales who died this, earlier this week at the age of 76. Uh, Pedro was a, one of the most honored and respected pro wrestlers of any generation. He was a star on both coasts. He was a star in Texas. Uh, and he broke through language barriers. Pedro spoke English, but not great English. But he spoke, he spoke real English. And when he spoke, people knew he was being honest. It wasn't from a writer who had no idea of how he, how Pedro felt. It was it was his heart speaking to the fans, and those fans uh, embraced it. Some will say, "Well, you know, he he had a great Latino following." Well, he did have a great Latino following, not unlike Bruno San Martino having a great Italian following. But it takes everybody to make that village, as uh, somebody once said. So uh, Pedro was the first ever uh, triple, uh, triple Crown winner in WWE, meaning that uh, he was the WWE champion, the Intercontinental champion, and the tag champion. And there were short runs here, by the way. Uh, he had two reigns as Intercontinental champion for a total of 619 days. Um, he had an uh, amazing uh, title run, uh, 1,027 days behind Bruno Hogan, Backlund and John Cena. 
So he's one of the most honored and accomplished competitors in the in the history of wrestling. The thing that always struck me was that I didn't. I always thought Pedro was bigger than he was until I met him, and uh, you know he was under six feet. Uh, he was, of course, thick, muscular, but he had a a natural aura about him, and I think that's what you got with with uh, Pedro Morales. Same with Bruno, for that matter. You got what you saw. He wasn't working you. He wasn't being a character. He was being himself, amped up a little bit and a little bit, you know, underscored, extra coat of shine on it. But he's basically himself at the key of the matter. Don't get enough of that these days, that's for sure. You know, he had he grew great houses, uh, had the big run there, or had not run. He had a match of Bruno in Shea Stadium. So uh, that was a big to do outdoors at a major league baseball park in that day uh so he was just a, a, a an amazing guy i just loved his professionalism and it, only you can count on basically one hand and this is a sad sad statement if you want to look at it that way and that is that pedro morales much like owen hart is one of the wrestlers at least in my lifetime that i've been around that people rarely had anything negative to say about. And that's the kind of man Pedro Morales was. So our condolences to his family, his friends, his family, uh, one of the all-time greats. Don't ever mistake that. Uh, And if you guys are younger and you haven't uh, experienced Pedro's work, he had one of the greatest comebacks in the history of wrestling. He sold like it really hurt, and maybe it did. Great performer, great crowd psychologist, but man, that fire is undisputable. So uh, rest in peace, Pedro. And uh, all I can say, I always, my theory, my dad and my grandpa had this theory. You don't, uh, you treat people as they treat you. I've had, I've been friends with people that were not the most popular guys in any environment. And, but I treat them with respect because that's how they treated me. So I, I'm just uh, I'm thinking that that was the situation with uh, with Pedro. He treated me so kind, so respectful. He wanted to know about my career, and I, I, he, he's a star. I was just an announcer when I met him at a WWE event back in the day. So I, I remember his kindness, his great smile. But you young wrestling fans want to see a, a baby face make a comeback and how it's done and how they sell it to get to get you to the spot where you're ready for the comeback, check out Pedro Morales on the WWE Network. Monday Night Raw was a mixed bag for me this week. Uh, the Becky Lynch suspension, storyline suspension by uh, Chairman Vince McMahon was the best way to get to more heat on uh, Charlotte, who replaced Becky on the storyline. Uh, look, let's be honest about this. Common sense, folks. It's a... It is a very slick, dramatic, theatrical-like presentation. Can we agree with that? That's what wrestling is. It should be. And it should be over, overlaid with athleticism and toughness. I want to feel it. I want to see it. So I get it back on TV someday and say, did you see that? No, I'm kidding. Uh, Becky Lynch is the hottest performer in the company. Sorry, guys. In fact. And, and then number two and three might be women as well. Make an argument for it. I could. So uh, 
I can't imagine in any in any alternate universe in Rod Serling's Twilight Zone, wherever the hell it may be, that Becky Lynch is not going to be in the match with Charlotte and Ronda Rousey in the main event show closing spot at WrestleMania. That's how I see it. I don't have any inside information. I'm just looking at a following the booking as it is and knowing what the payoff could be. WrestleMania is about providing payoffs. Have you noticed that very few times, back in the day, it seemed like there were always a first-time match at WrestleMania, something that we've been wanting to see, we finally get to see it. Or it was just the other end of the spectrum. The main event uh, a neighborhood was, was uh, configured by a blow-off. The final chapter in this, in this saga, this rivalry, so you got Becky Lynch hotter than donut grease, and you got uh, Ronda Rousey, who's the reason that that women wrestling in WWE has taken a, in my opinion, has taken an upward turn. She raised the level of competition. She raised the awareness. It opened the door for for other fans to see how talented, how lovely, how strong, how powerful these women are in WWE. That's not knocking any women. I mean, the women in WWE should should uh, make sure and uh, take care of Ronda at Christmas. Are you kidding? So uh, I believe that Becky, Ronda, and Charlotte will be in the main event at WrestleMania. I believe it will be a triple threat match. And if you really want to add some drama to it and make somebody, you might consider uh, Busted Open's uh, Bubba Ray uh, Dudley's uh, suggestion of making it a uh, uh, an elimination match. So you got to have two eliminations before one person is declared the winner. And to me, that's not a bad idea whatsoever. Not a bad idea whatsoever. And the first person says, well, if that, Becky should win two falls. Yeah. So what? That doesn't destroy anybody. It might make her, she becomes a made woman or in her case, a made man. But people getting all upset about this triple threat thing and the suspension and the th- the potential with triple threat match. Hey, I'm like a lot of folks. I'm not sitting here blind. I would rather see Becky Lynch versus Ronda Rousey because that issue became so strong and so personal. I'd rather see uh, the, the finally those two one on one. But that doesn't look like it's the way it's going, and there there may be reasons for that that you and I aren't aware of. We don't know how much longer Rhonda's going to be there. She wants to start a family. That's not exactly something you could mark on your calendar. It's going to happen. It's, going to, it's not going to happen. So uh, also in Raw, I was happy to see Revival finally get their a little bit of recognition, get their hand up, become the new tag team champions there on Raw. These two cats got a chance to uh, resurrect tag team wrestling in WWE. I believe that. And I believe at the same thought as Ronda Rousey helped create this amazing awareness along with her, her teammates uh, for the women, uh, you know, women like Charlotte Flair don't come along, but once in a generation, if that Becky Lynch, whoever saw that one coming, but if you start leaving out people like, uh, Naomi, bad mistake, Oscar, where the hell she been? The next thing I go to the grocery store, I'm going to look on my milk cart and see if I have see Oscar's picture. 
That's what they do with missing children, right? God. But anyway, the, the shells are full there for those women. So this, I think the same thing could be essentially done with tag teams in WWE. You can make it topical. You can make it timely. You create some stars. And the, re, the way you create stars is they win much more than they lose, and there ain't no 50-50 booking. They don't get nobody over. I know I just used a couple of double negatives, so I'll stay after school. Uh, so Raw was uh, strong in that regard, those two two situations. Again, the women closed or uh, open Raw. Pretty cool. Same thing happened on uh, SmackDown on Tuesday night. You know, uh, you got you got women uh, getting in the in the hunt early, having a, a strong role in the show, getting ready for their Elimination Chamber match, which is all this Sunday. So uh, they service those shows. Sometimes those. Here's the problem with a go-home show. Go-home means the last broadcast before pay-per-view. If you are not into the pay-per-view to any significant degree, it it will affect how you perceive a go-home show uh, as far as is it good or is it bad or whatever. Uh, So I'm interested in the pay-per-view on Sunday because I'm anxious to see how the booking's done. I'm not worried about who's going to steal the show. I'm not worried about who's going to have a great match. I'm just interested in on how the book is going to be executed and how well the talents take the offices uh, creative and make it their own and make it great. That's what I want to see. Uh, more condolences uh, out of the WWE world to Salvatore Belomo. Uh, I never knew him. He's, he and I were the same age. He died at 67 this past week. That's how old I am. Uh, he passed due to cancer. Salvatore was uh, best remembered for being a kind of a preliminary talent, talented although, uh, in the mid to late 1980s on WWE television. He's in there a lot. More controversy seemingly is following Lana and her husband, Rusev. They're no longer on the Total Divas show, which I would not have known if somebody hadn't told me. Uh, they were very vocal on Lillian Garcia's Fine podcast, our girl Lil. Uh, about not being cast on the Total Divas this year. According to E-Network fan research, the segments that uh, Lana and Rusev were in uh, were not well-liked by focus groups. Take that for what it's worth. Don't bet the farm on that situation, by the way. Uh, but when you go to public forum and you, and you, and you, you are complaining about creative and, and nothing seemingly can make you happy, uh, every owner, every booker, every boss I ever worked for would do all he or she could do to to make you happy with your exit. So unless they really want to, if they want to hang in WWE, they need to maybe uh, consider a different approach. I don't know. Not so vocal. You can be vocal. You can express yourself, but you have to do it in public. Does it have to go on Twitter? Does it have to go online? I don't know that. I don't think so. So I hope they do well. They're, they're a very marketable couple. And I thought when Rusev was on that winning streak, he was he was damn sure where he needed to be. But for some reason, whatever those reasons are, uh, he fell out of favor. And I'm sure, again, both sides have got a valid uh, answer to why. AEW's had a big week. They sold out the MGM Grand Garden Arena. Uh an amazing uh, situation there this past week. They had their press conference out in Vegas. Uh, they announced the signing of Kenny Omega, which is huge. Uh, 
I think that's great. All the information you need is at alleliterestling.com. But there, are, from what I understand, as I'm recording this, there are no tickets left for uh, the May event in Las Vegas. But you can find out more about that at alleliterestling.com. Uh, I know I'm going to be a part of the uh, Conrad Thompson's uh, big soiree. So uh, that should be a lot of fun. Starcast 2. I may be doing something with uh, the King, and I may be doing something also with uh, Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. I'm not sure. It's all it's all kind of up in the air. But everything I've heard it, regarding how I, what I, how I would be booked, I like. So it should be fun. Memorial is that? What is it? It's Memorial Day. Yeah, I get Memorial Day and Labor Day mixed up sometimes. Memorial Day is the official start of barbecue season. You know, it is in my household. Except I, I've been grilling outside uh, for the last several days. Just put a jacket on. Toughen up. Uh, back to, uh, speaking of all elite, in the, in, we're gonna, next week Conrad Thompson will be my guest here on the show. Connie, my boy, I love those chinks. He's a beautiful man. I'd like to buy him by the pound. Uh, all elite wrestling EVP Cody Rhodes underwent a successful uh, orthoscopic knee surgery uh, on Tuesday. I talked to uh, text exchange messages by saying, just how, how, how are you feeling? I hope you're doing well. Stuff I do to talents all the time, no matter they, where they work. You have personal relationships and you care about somebody, you ask about them. Show that you're concerned. So uh, his surgery was, was successful, no issues. He'll be, I think he's probably, as you hear this, he's probably already back uh, doing uh Physical therapy. So that's good news for all those guys. I mentioned StarCast 13. You know, Conrad's pulling every stop in the world. This is going to be amazing. You know, I just look at, he sent me this information. Here are some people that are going to be appearing in Las Vegas at StarCast. And StarCast has all kinds of travel packages and hotel rooms and all the great stuff you want. Uh, and at StarCast.com. Star is two R's, S T A R R cast.com. Check all, check, check it out. But here's the, I was going to tell you these, try these names on for size Scott Hall, Lita, Magnum TA, Tommy Dreamer, Ricky Steamboat, Sean Waltman, Conan, Jerry Lynn, David Arquette, Colt Cabana, Joey Ryan, Kevin Nash, Hornswoggle, Brian Pillman Jr., Kevin Sullivan, RVD, the Godfather, our guest later today, RVD, uh, Terry Funk, Arn Anderson, Barry Windham, J.J. Dillon, Tully Blanchard, all the AEW stars, and uh, yours truly. So it's going to be big. StarCast 2 weekend. Boy, don't miss this deal, man. So check out StarCast.com, and O'Conrad will fix you right up, I promise you. And then I get news that, Chris Jericho cruise number two has been set for January 20th through the 24th of 2020. That's about a year from now. Uh, so new plans, Chris Jericho cruise.com is for your information. Chris Jericho is a great host. I had a wonderful time on his, uh, his first cruise. I hope to be on the second one, January 20th through the 24th of 2020 next year. But if you want to get information, you want to get involved in the, uh, priority booking, the best deals, et cetera, et cetera, go to chrisjericho.com. Simple as that. 
congratulations to Ian Riccoboni, Ring of Honor, the voice of Ring of Honor. Does a great job there. I'm a big fan of Ian's work. Uh, signed a multi-year contract with Ring of Honor to continue as their play-by-play announcer. Good move by Ring of Honor. He's their voice. He leave your, you know, he's that's a key role, and not because I did it for so long, but I think sometimes that role is taken for granted. The soundtrack of what these wrestlers are doing is imperative. Remember, I said before, the the wrestlers make the music and the announcers provide the lyrics. Think about that. Uh, congratulations to Jay White who uh, upset my day in, in Gal Palace <laughs> uh, back in the day, last summer. And uh, I saw something online where Josh uh, Barnett had done an interview about that. He was really pissed off. I was I was pissed off, but I was, I was hurting more than I was pissed, if you know what I'm saying. You know what I'm saying? Uh, so, uh, but Jay White beat, defeated Hiroshi Tanahashi to win the IWGP heavyweight title. Uh, Jay White is the New Zealand kid. And Tony Grizz stomping grounds where the sheep are friendly and mutton is king uh he is uh, the fourth youngest champ in new japan history youngest shinsuke nakamura was 23 uh impact wrestling uh is uh going to have a big weekend because they're going to be i think in uh, all this weekend in the samstown in las vegas taping television our man Raphael Morphy is out there doing his thing. Raphael is ubiquitous. He spent more time in Las Vegas the last couple of weeks than uh, goddamn uh, Wayne Newton. So uh, check that out this weekend. And uh, they do it such a, they do a good job. ImpactWrestling.com for tickets, card information, starting times, all that good stuff. Friday, Saturday, Sunday, this weekend. Samstown, Las Vegas, Impact Wrestling. Check them out. MLW and the BN Sports Network announced that their weekly show, uh, MLW Fusion, uh, changed its time slot uh, as of this week. So check that out. And you can find that information at MLW.com. Network's happy with the ratings. That's good. And uh, they're finding their niche. Continuing to do good shows and being customer and fan friendly will get you down the road promise you and uh finally uh on the nw on the around the wrestling horn uh the nwa's got a big event coming to uh, concord north carolina on saturday april 27th it's the uh renewal of the jim crockett cup that was one of the most fun events i recall back in the day when the first time jim crockett cup tag team tournament and uh I think also Nick Aldis is going to defend the NWA title against Marty Sherrill. Rhymes with girl, Sherrill. Two hellacious hands, two, two British dudes. Let them beat the hell out of each other. And you can get your tickets to that event at ROHwrestling.com. Well, that'd be a phone at the 10. I wouldn't mind seeing that show. Jim Cornette's going to be doing commentary. That can't, that can't be bad. Not bad at all, right? Uh, Ian Riccoboni, I mentioned earlier, he's going to be doing commentary too, along with Joe Galley. But Cornette will be the star of that shit, that trio, I promise you. So that'll be fun to fun one to see. A lot of good tag teams. Brings back a lot of memories. And uh I'm sure a lot of surprises will be in store. A lot of brain power uh in that in that venue there in Concord, North Carolina. Saturday, April the twenty seventh. I get a lot of questions on Twitter at JR's BBQ or Facebook or Instagram about my boy Kyler Murray, the 
Heisman Trophy winning quarterback of the Oklahoma Sooners. He's under six feet tall. I'm sure you've heard that. You're nauseous about it. I am. I'm tired of it. Then they always do the obligatory, well, you know, Drew Bees is under six feet. Well, you know, Russell Wilson is under six feet. Why don't we go back? Eddie LeBaron was under six feet. How, was, how tall was Eddie LeBaron? 5'5"? Five, five? Yeah, but the game's changed. Okay. Was it not football then? Well, yeah, but, you know, the game's different. Is it is it different for a quarterback that runs about a 4-3 and can make plays seemingly effortlessly and has a cannon for an arm that's been playing quarterback since he was in first grade? His dad was a college quarterback. It's in his DNA, folks. Kyler Murray will be absolutely fine in the NFL, and he will be drafted among the first top ten picks, is my prediction, in the first round. That's my story. I'm sticking to it. He's a firecracker. Can't take your eyes off of him. Just like my buddy Bob Stoops. I talked to Bob. Uh, it's funny. Last week I recorded on Wednesdays, you know. And so last week I'm going back to Norman from Oklahoma City. And before I left, uh, I my phone was going crazy during the recording. Every sports writer and guys I know wanted, wanted the scoop on Bob. Because Bob got announced the next day as the head coach and general manager of the new XFL franchise in Dallas. Well... So I sent Bob a text. I said, God, your, your, your XFL business, true or not, is blowing my timeline up. I have a little smile thing on there. So I'm driving down the I-44, headed back toward Norman, and my phone rings. It's Bob. And I had no idea he was going to, uh, you know, give me a call. I didn't ask for, for a call. He's busy. But we talked about 20 minutes, and he said, yeah, I'm going to get announced tomorrow. He said it's going to work out for me very well because it's about two and a half hours from my house. He'll get a place in Dallas, don't get me wrong, but he's close to home. He's got three kids going to OU. Uh, he's got a beautiful home in Norman. And uh, it's during the early part of the year, which will not affect OU football. He has a son uh, playing football at OU. So, and it's, I'm sure that, uh, that Vince McMahon opened up the, the, the old wallet because when I talked to Vince about it last week, he was very excited about the possibility uh, of getting Bob, uh, Bob Stoops finalized and uh, getting him announced. And it worked out perfectly. It was great positioning. So my best to uh, Coach Bob Stoops, my buddy. Folks, you can't, rem- you can't I can't tell you how important he was and has been in my life since my wife got killed. Just can't hardly explain it. Uh, I, you know, he's just been a, he's been a good dude, like a brother. So I'm sure I'll be making some treks down to Dallas. Not bad. So I can see a little meal at Del Frisco's in my future. <laughs> Always about food, right? So congratulations, Coach. Have fun down there. And uh, I'll be supporting you all the way. I mentioned the other day that I had a business meeting a couple of weeks ago with uh, Jesse Kreska, ODB. She's got her food truck and her whiskey sauce and all these great things. And she's very ambitious uh, entrepreneur. So I, I, I thought that she would be a good, uh, topic to talk about doing a reality show around. So I pitched that idea to my super agent, Barry Bloom. He is a super agent, you know, he saw, he got Kenny. So, uh, I'm drinking coffee. I'm feeling really good today. I'm having a good day. So, uh, uh, Barry pitched the idea, showed some some tape some digital stuff of uh of uh, odb doing her thing and for whatever reason he showed the people some tape of me i have no idea what it was or why 
but they want us both on this cooking show. So if it hits, if it makes the cut, which is very iffy, but if we do a pilot and it makes the cut, it'll be around ODB's food truck and she and I cooking. And I can only imagine that uh, uh, interaction, that dichotomy of uh, two alpha males, so to speak. So uh, we had a very productive uh, uh, brainstorming session. We're on the same page. Now we just got to map it out to where we're going to go shoot the pilot and, and then see where it takes us. So that's what that was all about. So maybe something this in 2019 it could be next year, but there's interest in that uh, kind of an offbeat show. And we'll cook something on the grill or the smoker. Every You'll see it all come to pass. And there's so many things you can do with a smoker and a grill, for that matter. So anyway, keep, keep your eye on that deal. Uh, the uh, Remember, Amazon still has our book, Slobberknocker. Still doing well. Paul O'Brien and I are still working on the, the, the sequel. Man, we've, we've written some tough things to address here lately. You know, I have to figure out sometimes I get pissed off, I get mad. I was writing about uh, when Owen Hart got killed, I was so... When I read it again, I was so angry because I couldn't do anything about it, but sit there and try to call or narrate or report whatever you want to say uh, to our audience that was watching live on pay-per-view. And it's uh, really hard. Then I wrote about, uh, we wrote about the situation where Jeff Jarrett was the Intercontinental Champion. He was going to lose the title to China. Uh screw up over his contract which obviously i was blamed for and i'll take the blame who cares really who cares nothing i can do about it now i care then i care but how much can you care about something you can't fix think about that and i got pissed off about writing about that because i let it happen i just learned something so i learned a very valuable lesson that week and i also learned that several people were trying to get me deep sixed uh, at, uh, during that time, but Mr. McMahon, Mr. McMahon, as Jerry Briscoe would say, uh, was smarter than that. My track record stands on its own. So uh, what's well, been a, it's been a crazy week, but this next book's going to be a damn doozy. I promise you. And Amazon will have that, uh, among other places. So, uh, we'll keep you abreast of that. Uh, remember that we're at WW shop for our, our, a lot of our products, jerky, seasoning barbecue sauces ketchup mustard all that great stuff and uh many of our products are available at the ingles markets in the southeastern part of the united states i love the fact you guys are sending me some pictures of that you can uh, send them to me on twitter at jrsbbq uh, of what you see on the shelves at ingles with our image we thank ingles and headlock on hunger for all that they do to help feed hungry kids and we're right there with them uh, I'm going to be at the Great Lakes Comic Convention on Friday. It's coming around the corner now. This is easy. this is this is this is quick now. I'm telling you, this turnaround. Great Lakes Comic Convention Friday the 22nd of February and Saturday the 23rd in Warren, Michigan. That's in the Detroit area, as many of you know, at the Macomb Community College Convention Expo Center. Whew! And uh, you can get all the information you need for that at the Great Lakes Comic Convention.com. WrestleMania week, I'll be in New York City on Saturday afternoon at the Gotham Comedy Club. I will have several surprise guests, 
and that's a matinee and uh we hope you'll check it out tickets at gothamcomedyclub.com that's on saturday afternoon april the 6th and then on uh, sunday the day of wrestlemania i'll be with uh, the uh, two-man power trip boys out there at the meadowlands meeting some folks and signing pictures and taking pictures and all that good stuff at the uh, meadowlands plaza hotel uh tickets are available at the at bp tickets on twitter at bp tickets on twitter and i'm going to be a guest on their podcast coming up soon i think we're taping it thursday this week so uh look out for that on monday night after raw in new york city in brooklyn more specifically uh conrad thompson my guest next week here on the show and my old buddy brother love bruce pritchard will and i will for the first time will be uh having a three-way dance there's nothing funnier than watching three white guys that are fat dance i promise you uh but we we got a venue 732 seats full full transparency wants you to come to it uh murmur theater in brooklyn it's less than a mile from the barclay center and tickets go on sale this monday february the 18th nine o'clock eastern at ticketfly.com something to wrestle with bruce pritchard meets the jim ross report it's going to be a dandy folks it might even be a slobber knocker but you can't go if you don't have a ticket uh, i'll be at the steel city con in monroeville pennsylvania that's of course the suburb of pitt Pittsburgh, uh and uh that's going to be on april in, in april on friday the 12th through sunday the 14th 12th 13th and 14th of april uh at the steel city con information is at steelcitycon.com so i'll be there three days uh, at this massive uh, con you're going to love that and we're bringing all of our stuff in any all these appearances uh we'll have uh, our sauces and our jerky and books and all kinds of things to, to sell to you if you want it you ain't got to buy it it's not a three drink minimum just show up uh i'm going to be in uh I'm going to Dan Gable Museum. That's in July. Just throwing this out there a little ahead of time. July 25th through 27th at the uh, Tragus Thez Professional Wrestling Hall of Fame induction. Going to be a hell of a time. Information at, on Twitter, at Wrestling Museum. Okay. And then, of course, uh, also in April, I'll be going back to Vegas uh, for uh, the Cauliflower Alley Club's annual uh, event. I'll be, I think I'm hosting the uh, banquet. And some really cool people. Mark Henry, who's, by the way, Mark Henry's going to be with us in two weeks to talk about his amazing honor that he's being bestowed from the Cauliflower Alley Club. Mark also does a great job uh, teaming with uh, Dave LaGreca on Busted Open Radio on Sirius XM Channel 93. And I think we've tried to take care of everybody that we can here, give you guys some information, give you some, some knowledge as I ruffle my peppers. It sounds bad on the edit. I get it. Bottom line is this. That's what's on my mind. Boy, a lot of good candidates this week for Slobber Knocker of the Week. Uh, this is a very prestigious award that's changed lives. Okay, maybe not everybody's, but okay, maybe nobody's. But it's the Slobber Knocker of the Week. Good candidates, folks. Uh, at the end of the day, though, it was an easy decision. Uh, one of the candidates would be my, my friend, former Oklahoma coach, Bob Stoops, who's now the new coach of the Dallas franchise and general manager, by the way, of the XFL. The new fledgling team that will start playing in 2020. And from what I hear, they're going to have a very strong television package. So uh, also another candidate would be uh, AEW. 
selling out their double or nothing uh, pay-per-view or, or event. It's going to be a pay-per-view, I guess. I'm assuming it is. I don't know. Uh, their, their May 25th event at the MGM Grand Garden Arena has sold out. And uh, uh, I was, I was, I'm under the impression that as many inquiries as they had to get a, uh, the, 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 the code, they could have sold 60,000 tickets. So I, this guy tells me this story. And I said, bullshit. And he said, no, he, he, he's serious. There's that big a demand for something different. And, and these cats have captured the imagination of social media. They don't have TV. They, that, that could, they could have sold out seriously. They could have sold out a stadium. Well, there's many people that, that wanted to buy tickets. It's amazing. So congratulations to them, but close, but no cigar, no slobber dark of the week. Uh, love the team of revival. They're basic, fundamentally sound. They're tough. They're hard nosed. I believe in what they're doing. I hope they don't get discouraged because the days of pulling the tag team division out of the drudge are going to be multiple. It didn't, this problem didn't get uh, in a position it's in right now overnight. It won't be fixed overnight. But Revival are the right guys for the job. And uh, I like the, another Slaughter Rock of the Week candidate was, you know, the, the, the interaction we had this week with Charlotte, Becky, uh, Rousey, Vince, Triple H, Stephanie. Great stuff. But I got to go with uh, the great Pedro Morales as our winner of the Slaughter Rock of the Week. As I mentioned earlier, passed away at age 76, native of Puerto Rico. He was a star in California and L.A., the L.A. territory. He was a star in Texas. And, my God, you know, he and Bruno were the foundation of the WWE, WWWF, whatever name you want to say, uh, back in the day. For somebody, here's the thing about this. When, and look at it in this, in this parallel. Pedro Morales followed Babe Ruth. Pedro Morales followed the great Bruno San Martino. There'll never be another star with the honor and prestige, tenure, respect that Bruno San Martino earned. That's my story, and I'm sticking to it. So the guy that followed Bruno, now, yeah, I know, there was an interim. You know, Ivan Koloff, you know, got beat Bruno and but the the baby face that follows Bruno that is going to be is where the uh, my focus is here, and Pedro Morales did that. That's like the only other time I've seen anything close to something along those lines is when uh, Austin was red hot, donut grease hot. He got hurt. Where do you go? The Rock. And the Rock stepped in and did a phenomenal job of uh, being the top baby face in WWE in Austin's injury absence. That is so damn hard. So, uh, Pedro, among many honors that you always deserved and people remembered, I just hope that our fan base will go back and look at your work and see how wonderful you were. And again, I mentioned earlier, his heart, his kindness were just... Uh, heart heart heartfelt 
Pedro Morales, this week's Slobberknocker of the Week. Apparently they have a pet raccoon that got into their mouth. You know, the Pepcoon Goofy Awards is one of the more fun things I do all week, which goes to show you exactly what kind of lifestyle I'm living. <laughs> Pepcoon Goofy. Oh, there's so much, so many candidates, so little time. i got a tough decision to make, but I'm going to do it. Uh, this whole Bob Costas fiasco. Uh, I always thought Bob Costas amazingly talented. He had, he had the TV look. He was small in stature. He was Caucasian. He was a nice-looking guy. You know, St. Louis, mid-America. Actually, was a wrestling fan at one point in time in his life. I don't know if he'll admit that, which is part of my bitch here. Now, Costas got, got bumped out of NBC because he said too many things of his own volition that – the network was getting heat from the NFL from, and, and the network was trying to renew a billion-dollar-plus deal with the National Football League. So the when it says, remember when I tell you this? People say it's not about the money. It's all about the money. You're damn right. And no matter how great a Hall of Famer like Bob Costas was, and probably still is, uh, he got let go. He's, he's no longer in the picture. Now he's playing the pity card, NBC's trying to play cover your ass. The NFL don't have anything to do with it. It's, you know, I feel like Matt Hardier. Delete, delete, delete. Crazy. Pet Coon Goofy, damn right. The whole damn scenario is. And I just remember Bob's interview with uh, Vince. It pissed Vince off. Bob knew what he was doing. He knew what buttons to push. But I think uh, NBC kind of hung him out to dry, and now he's still letting it go and moving on. Uh, there's seemingly bad after feelings enough is enough and then there's antonio brown the diva like wide receiver the pittsburgh steelers more drama this week uh first of all he, he got found he was found guilty for driving over 100 miles per hour which is god dang this pet coon goofy jesus you got a hot car you make a lot of money we get it we, we see you you're screaming for attention? Okay, we see you. We got it. We see you, Antonio. And yes, you're a hell of a receiver. But you must be a giant pain in the ass in the locker room. Now he says he wants to change scenery his time. I hope the Steelers get somebody good for him because he's a hell of a player. He's one of the top five receivers in the game. But the diva-like behavior gets old to everybody. And then we move a little closer to home on the Pet Coon Goofy side. The fans that were going to attend the Travis Scott show in uh, Tulsa, rapper Travis Scott, you know, you all know him. <laughs> I guess you do. My producers, Sean Cradle and Raphael Morphy, think I should know. I know who he is. Uh, but anyway, it was embarrassing that they, Travis canceled his concert minutes before the doors were scheduled to open at the BOK Center in Tulsa. In other words, People had already left home, had driven to Tulsa, found a place to park, paid for parking, bought a ticket, and they're there ready to sit down when the doors open, but the old doors never opened. They did post a sign that says postponed with very little other information. So it was, it was not handled well by the BOK Center. It was a, they, they do do the bed, did the promoters and how they handled it, disrespecting the fans. And then some of the fans went ape shit over not being able to see Travis Scott and started doing stupid things. 
which led to the Tulsa police, if you can believe this, shooting paintballs filled with mace into the crowd to get them to leave. Who won in that deal? Not a damn soul. All of it, Pet Coon Goofy. And finally, the Pet Coon Goofy Award goes to the great state of Virginia politics. The three top Democrats in Virginia state government are currently dealing with various scandals. Governor Ralph Northam and State Attorney General Mark Herring uh, both admitted to having worn blackface in the 80s. Lieutenant Governor Justin Fairfax was accused by two women of sexual assault. Lieutenant Governor here, including rape by one of the women. Now, of course, in a statement, uh, the lieutenant governor says that the instances were both consensual. Ain't they always? <laughs> At least that's his story. He's sticking to it. The state of Virginia should just reshuffle their deck. Here's the deal, guys. Virginia now, right? You bring in Mickey James as your governor. Bring in Mickey. Uh, your, your attendance at the press conferences and your public awareness will soar. And then you get uh, Earl Hebner to be the lieutenant governor. Because Earl's a lot like me. He ain't smart enough to screw things up. That's how I look at myself. I'd be a great lieutenant governor. I can't screw things up. Just tell me where to go. What press? What flesh to press? So get Mickey James in the governor's office, backed up by Baby Earl. Virginia's problems are solved. But until then, the Virginia politics and politicians, many of them, are pet kungu. This week in wrestling history, ladies and gentlemen, it's that time again, 34 years ago, WWE presented the war to settle the score from, of course, Madison Square Garden in New York City. The feature bout of the show, Hulk Hogan defeated Roddy Piper, of course via disqualification, to retain the WWF Championship. It aired on MTV, as you might remember, and would provide the backdrop for the main event of the first WrestleMania. Big, big night in, in, in television wrestling, no doubt. The war to settle the score on a brand new outlet that found a younger audience called MTV. 33 years ago, NWA and Associates with Championship Wrestling from Florida presented the NWA Battle of the Belts 2 from the Eddie Graham Sports Arena in Orlando. That was a big loaded card. And then 30 years ago, NWA presented Clash of the Champions 5, St. Valentine's Day Massacre from the CSU Convocation Center in Cleveland. I remember that show. I remember it. I know we had, there was a big creative issue on uh, how the uh, six-man tag was going to end. And, of course, it ended up being a double disqualification to make the talent happy. It wasn't the best thing for the show. It wasn't the right decision to make. But you had the Road Warriors and Tenru. They were the chance. They wrestled the Varsity Club. It was getting pretty hot at that time. And they were new. Mike Rotunda, Kevin Sullivan, and Dr. Destiny Williams. So that matched the double disqualification. Helped not one soul. And moving along here, this week in wrestling, 30 years ago, the famed uh, women's wrestler Mildred Burke dies of a stroke in Northridge, California. Mildred, Millie was 73. And a movie about her life is currently in production that I am involved in. 26 years ago, the great Kerry Von Erich 
committed suicide on his father's ranch in Denton, Texas. The modern-day warrior was 33 when he took his own life. Man, what a waste. I saw a picture of his daughter the other day. She's doing, doing something in wrestling. And what a look. Well, she's got a, she looks great. I'm surprised she's not been discovered or found her way with that kind of, she just has that, she has the it thing, like Carrie did. 24 years ago, Eddie Gilbert died of a heart attack in his apartment in uh, Puerto Rico. Eddie was 33. That's, see, same as Carrie. Both at 33. What the hell? Oh, sad. 22 years ago, WWE presented uh, Thursday Night Raw. Boy, I remember this. Because it was in uh, Lowell, Mass. The little uh, venue was full. Uh, The Rock defeated Triple H to win the Intercontinental title that night. I do remember that. But the show was really most noted for Shawn Michael vacating the WWE Championship, claiming a knee injury was bothering him to an extent where he could not perform. And he also said that he lost a lot of things over the last year. But the biggest thing he lost was his smile. 20 years ago, WWE presented In Your House 27. I'm astounded by that that uh, descriptor. 27? We had 27 In Your Houses or more? God. Where in the hell did time go? That was uh, in uh, the Pyramid in Memphis 20 years ago. Uh, the show was really noted for the WWF debut of Paul Wright, the big show, who has spent the past the, the past. I think three and a half years or so with WCW as the giant. That's creative, huh? The giant. In the main event, Stone Cold Steve Austin defeated Vince McMahon in a solid steel cage match. I don't know. I say that because it's Russell speak. A solid steel cage. What else would it be? A pliable steel cage? You know, a bendable steel cage like you get from Hasbro or somebody or, you know, some toy maker? Nope. Uh, it's like saying, I beat him in the middle. That's for the wrestlers to piss off the other wrestlers. The fans could care less. He beat him in the middle. Well, he beat him in the middle. He beat him right in the middle. It means so much more when he beat him in the middle. Stop my pain, will you? Just stop it right now. Uh, but uh, that was an interesting night in Memphis. The next night we went to uh, Birmingham, Alabama. I remember it because my good friend Harvey Whipman uh, uh, procured Dreamland Barbecue for uh, the talent relations room, and that was awful nice little uh, little delicacy. Dreamland Barbecue. I need to go to Huntsville and go get barbecue with Conrad. You know that son of a gun's got the best barbecue places in the state. Someplace scouted. He knows where they are. Connie, my boy. Uh, that was a, a big night in Birmingham, as I said. A lot of the wrestlers are very familiar with Birmingham. That's where they got their, their knees fixed by Dr. Jim Andrews back in the day. So uh, it was very epic on that night because that was the night, ladies and gentlemen. Hold on to your seats. That's the night that Shane McMahon became the European champion. Not in Birmingham, England, but in Birmingham, Alabama. They love the governor. Coming down the home stretch here, 15 years ago, WWE presented No Way Out from the Cow Palace. That was my first trip, I think, into the Cow Palace. Uh, I did not uh, broadcast that show. That was Michael Cole and Taz, I believe. Did a fine job. But I was very excited about being in the Cow Palace. All those Pat Patterson, Ray Stevens moments 
and the Roy Shire booking in the territory was really all a big part of my foundation growing up as a young guy in wrestling. Great success. You wanted to replicate success. And if you worked on top in Frisco, you could probably go about anywhere you wanted to and work on top in any other territory. Because here's the deal. Eddie Guerrero beat Brock Lesnar to win the WWE title in the Cow Palace, right? 15 years ago. So when people say, well, you know, uh, so-and-so, Finn Balor wasn't big enough to beat Lesnar. It's not even realistic. not believable. Are you kidding? Are you that stupid? Same thing with Seth Rollins. Rollins is no giant, but he's a hell of a lot bigger than Eddie Guerrero. He's bigger than Finn Balor. So I hope we don't get that excuse that, you know, uh, Seth Rollins is too small. He's not. And there's a million right ways to beat Lesnar. And so I said, oh, yeah, well, you're getting to come to work or if you're getting to do it. Brock Lesnar has a lot more respect for his income and his money than he does his win-loss record. Trust me on that. So I wonder if the Lesnar taking Eddie Guerrero for granted in the Cow Palace 15 years ago to lose the WWE title will have any bearing on how he prepares for another small guy. Interesting, interesting sidebar story, would you think? That was a great night, though. Emotion was a wonderful. Eddie was crying. His family was there. They were crying. It was just awesome. It was just so much drama and happiness and, and closure. Everything was great. Uh, Ten years ago, the WWE presented No Way Out in the Key Arena in Seattle. It's funny how you remember these things. I remember going to where we went to eat that night. I can't remember the name of it, but some place that all the boys used to go near the airport in, in uh, SeaTac Airport. I can't remember the name of the damn, damn place. Uh, but in, in any event, uh, we were there. That would be the night Edge lost the WWE title in, a, in the first Elimination Chamber match. Of course, the next one, another one, is this Sunday. WWE Network uh, from Houston. And uh, the first Elimination Chamber was 10 years ago. And uh, so he lost the title that night. And then later, he would win the World Heavyweight Championship in the second Chamber match. Storytelling. And then finally, uh, two years ago this week, uh, my old friend, former Michigan State footballer, educator, the wonderful George the Animal Steel, passed away at age 79, a kidney failure. A guy, another guy like Monsoon and Heenan, Mean Gene, that kind of took me under their wing when I first came to uh, WWE in 1993. Again, coming from WCW, I was not the most popular hire. But like a lot, you know, it's funny. I read things where people say, well, JR did this when I was, he was in talent relations, and JR did that. They don't understand. I follow the orders of one guy. Does that make any sense to you? Is that a foreign thing anymore that you don't have to take, you don't have to take your direction uh, from your leader? It ain't the way I was raised. It ain't the way I do business start today. So the point is, is that, uh, Vince McMahon hired me. That was good enough for me. But he, I see guys sometimes, and they, they have the revisionist history on, on issues. Well, that was JR's fault. This was JR's fault. That was, you know, I, it's like I'll give you an example on the Jarrett negotiation uh, that Paul O'Brien and I are working on right now, this one, one chapter in the book. You know, I was given a budget. Here's what we're going to pay. This what I, here's what we could pay him. And that goes for, that went for everybody. So, uh, 
crazy times, man. Crazy times. But uh, George Steele, God bless him. What a good man. I, I, I thought he was great. And uh, that's uh, what, what went on in This Week in Wrestling. I've cut a few birthdays here real quick. Uh, uh, today is Tommy Dreamer. Today being Wednesday, Tommy Dreamer is, uh, I think, 48. Big Beefy, I used to call him around the office. Big Beefy. Uh, good man. Reliable. Trustworthy. But sooner than later, he's got to quit taking these stupid-ass bumps at his age. Just my take. Just saying. Uh, on Valentine's Day, and happy Valentine's Day to all of those that are observing such holiday. On Valentine's Day, Mabel Viscera, Big Daddy V, would have been 47. And uh, a funny story came to mind, and it so happened it fell on, fell on Valentine's Day. The boys were telling me that that uh, the big fellow would take Viagra to watch porn on the, at the hotel. I don't know if that was true or not. But I asked him. All he would do is give me that a very sinister smile. Like saying to me, you don't really want to know this, do you? So we've changed topics. But the boys are telling me that story in front of you, so I thought it was just a rib. And it might still have been a rib, but maybe they're ribbing on the square. I never heard of somebody taking Viagra to watch porno. Oh, well. Uh, on Friday, Travis Banks... He's an NXT UK star. His birthday is Friday. Hugo Savinovich, good old Hugo, 60 years old, that rascal. Man, he had a colorful life, has had a colorful life. Very involved in his church now here. Good for him. Also on Friday, Rich Swan, uh, Impact X Division champion, turns the ripe old age of 28. Gangrel's birthday is Saturday. He'll be 50. Jimmy Jacobs, 35 on Sunday. Ricardo Rodriguez, 33 on Sunday. Ray Rougeau, 64 on Monday. Raymond, nice man. French-Canadian gent. Good fellow. Tuesday, February 19th, Big John Studd would have been 71. He, got, he died in 1995. I remember refereeing his matches in his 70s when he went by the name Chuck Connors. He was still huge, massive man, but Watts like big heels because that's the, he was the big baby face. It matched up well. On Tuesday, the lovely Francine will be 47. She doesn't look a day over 30. Francine, very sexy lady in the, in the annals of pro wrestling. Happy birthday on Tuesday. Also on Tuesday, El Torito will be 37. Little rascal. Uh, Ty Dillinger, 38. I would not have guessed Ty Dillinger would be 38. He looks great. And uh, ECW's Danny Doring. Birthday is on Tuesday as well. Danny will be 45. So I wish all these folks and others I may have missed celebrating their birthday this week a very happy birthday. And whatever you do, folks, remember, good old JR's got the cake. You've got mail. Hey, I hope you're enjoying the show. Uh, I appreciate you being with us and uh, for uh, subscribing for free to our program. We appreciate it. Leave those five-star ratings. That's always uh, hug-worthy. I can tell you that. Um, And uh, it's time now for our mailbag. Remember, you can communicate with us. You can give me us your questions. You can, uh, Sean Cradle will see them. Raphael Morphy may see them. Uh, And uh, 
you know, our new production team. Uh, Dennis is our man that runs the board and edits the show. And he does a great job, but there's no sense of burning him with all this other crap. So, uh, Sean Cradle has stepped up along with Raphael. We, and they do a great job. So, um, uh, you know, just the Jim Ross report at gmail.com. The Jim Ross report at gmail.com is how you'd reach us with your questions, uh, your comments, and uh, feedback, suggestions, whatever you want to do. We're open. We're open. And we want this to be as much your show as it is ours. Because without you, I ain't got no chance. I'm out, man. The mailbag with uh, Chris Dean starts it off. Hi, JR. I've been a fan of yours since the 90s and a faithful listener to your podcast since episode one. My question is about AEW. The company has a billionaire investor and active talent such as Cody Reynolds uh, are in executive roles. In your opinion, what does AEW have to do to avoid becoming the next WCW and keep up the good work? Well, they got to continue to get create stars. They got to continue to give to add the to provide new and exciting and talented to their fan base. They've got to they've got to have a great television clearance. Uh, as they start their uh, weekly run this fall, I'm told. I sort of read. So uh, I think that's important. They have struck a chord with many in the on social media. I'll give you, here's an example. Double or Nothing on Wednesday sold out the rest of the tickets in four minutes. Tickets have been sold to all 50 states plus uh, D.C. and Puerto Rico. Tickets have been sold to nine countries, Canada, Mexico, the U.K., Australia, Austria, Panama, Costa Rica, Germany, and Finland. So they, their, their footprint, thanks to social, their social media expertise, has, is serving them well. But the main thing is you've got you to cultivate a talented roster, can't let yourself get stale or predictable, and continually to produce great, episodic, hard-hitting, uh, no eye rolling content every week. It's a hell of a big job. It ain't going to be easy, but it can be done. Brandon Wayne. It's not going to call my name. Brandon, Brandon Wayne, get in here. Uh, hi, Jim. I've been listening for a long time. I really enjoy your show. Uh, it helps the work days a lot. My question was, why do you think the art of selling has gone away and how can it change? It can change by the management uh, being more, uh, hands-on with the talent. And when somebody's not selling enough, you pull them aside and say, you've got to sell more or we can't use you. And the reason most talents have are reluctant to sell a lot is because they do not want to be perceived as weak. They're insecure. They don't understand the art of performing as much as they'd like to admit. So therefore, they equate that to selling as a weakness. Couldn't be more wrong. This comes from... Uh, Don Alun in the UK, just Alun for short. Uh, Alun's wanted to know about uh, audience show length and audience fatigue. Do you think WWE will ever consider putting the larger shows like the Rumble and WrestleMania over two days? I disagree with your analogy there, uh, Alun. I don't think it would solve any problems. Uh, it increases costs. Uh, the second day of TV, one of those two days are going to suck high and teat. I just say make the shows 
you know, if you're expect your pay-per-view audience to give you no more than four hours. And that's a load to me. And I think these longer shows are going to somewhere along the way, just kill the pregame shows. That's like watching the pregame, you know, them Super Bowl pregame show is nine hours. What are we thinking? I'm a big football mark. I love football. If I had a job making a living in football, I'd probably be doing it. That ain't in the cards for me at this stage of my life. But uh, it's too damn long. I could handle it. Rodney Grays has emailed us at thejimrossreport at gmail.com. Uh, wanting to know in honor of Black History Month, who would be on my personal Mount Rushmore of black wrestlers? All right, there's a lot of what good candidates in this deal, right? Because can you imagine? It's hard to imagine. Even for me, and I've been around a long time, how these African Americans were treated by the by their white peers back in the day. I saw some of that uh, racism in the locker room, and uh, I didn't like it. It was uncomfortable, especially when wrestlers would pull out their clan card and brag about having one. Not cool. But uh, you know, guys like Abdul the Butcher would have to be on, on, on some in conversation. Bearcat Wright was went through so much uh, uh, profiling and, you know, the promoters. The promoters are all white men. You think an egocentric, alpha male white man with, uh, living in the 30s and 40s and 50s could give a damn about a black athlete or black wrestler, to say the least? Shoot, no. But if I had my pick, I would probably pick out uh, Ernie Ladd was my one of my mentors. Ernie Ladd had the balls to be the first black heel in major territories and not be afraid of the heat. Junkyard Dog crossed over, became big in WWE when he bolted from the Cowboy in Mid-South, which we all hated, but that's not the way you do business, kids. But I can't ever say bad, too many bad things about Sylvester Ritter. Uh, the Booker T would be on any list. So thus far, I've got Ernie, JYD, Booker T, and Dwayne Johnson. I didn't. I didn't intentionally leave out Bobo Brazil or, you know, any of these other cats. Just I, the ones that j- jump out at me are Ernie, JYD, Booker T, and The Rock. If you can make an argument about any of those guys, you're a better arbiter than I. Thank you, Rodney, for checking in. John Lieberum wants to know. Uh, I think rather than winning a trophy. The winner of the Battle Royal at WrestleMania should also earn a future title shot, possibly at the possibly the following pay-per-view. What are your thoughts on this? Well, here's the thing. Anytime you're competing for something that has tangible value, like a, winning a title shot or whatever, is I like as a rule. To just win a trophy, we've watered down that whole process so much in the wrestling business over the last several generations. I don't know what it means. You don't ever see it again. I don't think, do you? Maybe access? I don't know. But I think the winner, if you want it to mean something, you gotta you got to compete for something. And that something can't just be the symbolism of the winner being a trophy. That's just me. Unless it was something like a traveling trophy, like the, uh, you know, the Stanley Cup or something. But as it is, eh. Charles Maxey, uh, 
He says, the takeovers have now had four title matches out of the five or six matches on the card. Uh, is that good, basically? Um, I don't know. You know, I can't find anything wrong with any of these uh, takeover events. I'm a big fan of the NXT takeover. I like the style, the, the, the motivation, execution, better than any other show on, on, the, network, on the WWE Network, on, on WWE. So uh, I don't have an issue with four of the uh, four title matches on the sh- on a takeover. Doesn't bother me a bit. Kyle Mulvey writes this and wants to know if there's enough material. He loved our first book, Slobberknocker, My Life in Wrestling, which is available on Amazon, and he uh, uh, is excited that we're trying to get our next book done by the holidays of this year. Must be a photo finish. I shudder to think of the work we got still got to do on that deal. Uh, but do I have enough material? His question is, do you have enough material for a part three? <laughs> we ain't done part two yet, buddy. Come on there, uh, Kyle. We gotta, you got to let a brother up. But I think we do. Because after this book ends, where this book ends, unless something you know something I don't know, I, I plan on continuing to live. And I'm going to continue to live in the world that we all love. By and large, right? So why wouldn't I have something potential to write about if the opportunity came along? We'll see. But good question. Thanks, Kyle. Kyle also wants me to have a fit family, Paul Heyman and Kevin Nash on the podcast at some stage, and we will do everything we can to make that happen. And that's the mailbag this week, folks. Remember, the email is thejimrossreport at gmail.com, and that's it for this week's mailbag. been excited to talk to rob van dam since we uh, connected again a few weeks ago rob's on the show robbie how are you buddy super super Good. thanks for having me on you bet bud hey uh you sent me your documentary and i watched it as we record this this morning and Thank uh you. Yeah, i gotta tell you 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 and your crew i know you're one of the executive producers uh just did a phenomenal job tell us uh, th- tell us how that project came about because it, it the fun-loving daredevil rob van dam who was introduced to wrestling by the million dollar man way back in the day he was just a pup folks uh is uh it turned a little dark to me because i wasn't aware of the subject matter that you were you, you were doing your documentary on but this uh, whole thing, tell us about that, because it was very sobering to watch, but extremely enjoyable, and like all good finishes, it's got a pretty damn happy ending. Cool. I'm uh, really glad that, that you enjoyed it. I really didn't know what subject matter we were filming at the time either, because sometimes I do stand-up comedy tours, and, and I have fun with that. We went on a seven-day comedy tour and we thought it'd be a good idea to bring the camera, just film the road trip and make a little uh, uh, a little doc out of it, promote comedy tour, whatever. Um, but I, I showed up for the beginning of the tour uh, with uh, symptoms still from a match that I had a couple of nights before. I had, uh, I had gotten a, a bit of a concussion and unlike hundreds of other concussions that I've had, the symptoms didn't go away right away. And so the first day of the tour, 
I let my my crew know about it, but I said, you know, I'm probably not going to tell people about this, just like I normally don't. <laughs> so I would record. Um, I would record me, you know, uh, with the fans, talking with the fans. And then afterwards, I would turn to the camera and I'd say, holy crap, uh, they don't realize I see two of them. And I, and I kept saying, you know, I'm sure I'll be fine tomorrow. I'll wake up, be 100%, and then we'll just move on and forget about it. But uh, after a couple of days, I realized that that wasn't necessarily going to be what was happening. So it became something much bigger than I anticipated, and then I felt like I had to talk about it after a while, and it became so big that the movie ends up following my uh, concussion um, outside of the tour, um, and it goes into uh, an area where we get educated on CTE, on concussions, on the symptoms. Um, that's, uh, that's a lot of what what the subject matter becomes, and so much happens in the in a documentary, you know, we go to a uh, the big event in New York City. We had a comedy show in Atlantic City that we knew um, had gotten canceled before the trip, but it was the same day we went to the big event. So many wrestlers appear in a documentary, some of them that I haven't seen in years, like uh, Pat Tanaka. Holy crap, I haven't seen Pat Tanaka since probably like 93, something I didn't even, like that. I didn't even recognize him, Rob. Yeah. Incredible, and I'm really excited that I have Bruno San Martino's very last public appearance. Very cool. Um, yeah, and not just that I have his appearance, but what he said to me. I mean, I have all the respect in the world for Bruno, just like everyone else does. And uh, you know, I didn't want to take up too much of his time. He had a big line waiting, but uh, you can clearly hear him on the documentaries, you know, stopping me when I'm trying to uh, get out of his way just to say, hey, Rob, let me tell you, I've seen you in the ring many times. You're, you're pretty damn great. And that, that means like everything in the world every time I hear that, every time I watch that on the documentary. Yeah. So it became something uh, much bigger, obviously. And um, I'm glad that, um, uh, they, that you thought we rounded it off really well with, uh, with the end. But um, it became um, uh, something that, you know, more about my life and what it's like being RVD, which I – hope comes across really well because you get to travel the streets with me, whether it's in Times Square, Venice Beach, or wherever, and you get to see um, how much love I get everywhere. And uh, that, that's really what I wanted to share. And uh, hopefully you get to see how I keep my my zenful uh, vibration even when <laughs> faced with life's obstacles. Your grappling's version of Phil Jackson. You have a zen. <laughs> and it's very healthy. You know, do you even know who Phil Jackson is? I don't. Yeah, he's a. I appreciate he's, the reference, though. Well, he's a he's a Hall of Fame basketball uh, coach, uh, and he uh, coached Michael Jordan for the Bulls. That's not a bad guy to have on your roster. You win a lot of games out here by that that way. The more stars you hire, the more money you draw. So, but Phil Jackson was a Phil Jackson was very Zen oriented and talked publicly about it. And quite frankly, I'm sure he was probably one of the guys that introduced zen to many of us i didn't have a damn clue what all that stuff was i really didn't i'm not sure i know today to pass good enough to pass a quiz but phil jackson was very bright very cerebral and that's what i saw in this in this uh, this uh, film that you produced and i also thought it was very well edited it had good continuity there was a flow to it it was like watching a really good wrestling match that hasn't been overthought awesome i definitely appreciate that because we worked on it um, long and hard for like uh, most of two years and 
being a perfectionist, I kept wanting to go over it and over it because each time I knew we were going to get it better and better whenever we, we had an idea, you know, to uh, uh, to take something out or add something in or, or whatever whatever it needed. But definitely, uh, I think that when people watch this, they get to know RVD way better than they ever thought that they would know, that they would know me you know, on a personal I, level. Oh, I think so, without a doubt, because, you know, you were, you were quite a uh, – your personality when I first was first around you was – uh, and maybe it's just a trust issue. You know, the office is the office. I get it. I'm, I'm, I, I got the same sentiments, same feelings the talents do, just on a different different approach perhaps. But uh, you were always kind of quiet and, yeah. and, and reserved. And I learned more about you in this movie than I knew about you in the entire time that uh, we worked together, which I enjoyed. Uh, so, cool. I don't know. I just thought it was really good. I was – I was really, it was it got a little dark for me because I was worried about you. So you told a good story yeah. there. And that's, it, is, it is emotional. I've had, thank you. I've had people tell me that it's kind of like riding a roller coaster. And uh, some of the reviews I have, although it may sound cliche, they, some people literally tell me that they laughed and they cried. And uh, even I get a little teary eyed up when, uh, it, when I watch it sometimes when I see uh, my girlfriend Katie when she gets a little upset and starts to cry that always that always stings a little bit when I see sure. that part I met her uh, with you I think uh, somewhere down the road uh, yeah I don't burn these things off like I but you know the older you get and the on this back nine of life that I'm currently traveling sometimes I forget exactly the location but I remember meeting her and you yeah. together and she was such a really a uh, pleasant individual, I thought. You know, she just was a, had a smile on her face, and uh, I thought she was good for you. Then I watched this movie. Then if anybody ever had any doubts that this was the right woman for this man, those questions would be answered tenfold by watching this film. Yeah. I love that. It had a little love story to it, you know what I mean? Yeah, thank you so much, because that is that is exactly how, how life went. And just like I say in the movie, she truly is a gift from the universe, my reward. So... I've been through a lot, which people will see in this movie, stuff they didn't know about, um, but they can see, you know, that uh, definitely uh, I'm, I'm very happy right now. Yeah, a lot of people that saw me during, you know, 2015, 2016, um, a lot of people told me I was I was different, you know, and mm-hmm. truthfully, I was drinking for, for a lot of it. That's how I chose to... Uh, to numb my pain i thought hey you know look i'm this old i deserve a scandal so what if i get pulled over drinking and driving i i deserve it i got divorced my my dog died my dad died i mean come on you know this right. I'm, I'm you know I, I just, so i, I kind of allowed myself to go through that and, and fortunately i came out on the other on the other side because i did get down so so much that i can relate to people uh, they don't think I can when they when they talk about getting depressed and when they when they feel like they can't turn around uh, on their own and they need some help and shoot I've I've been through all that now um, but yeah I, I consider myself quiet I'm never the the loud guy that, that demands to be um, heard but if somebody cares to listen to what I have to say then I'm then I'm always interested in sharing. You seem to be very comfortable on stage and I know you mentioned in the movie that. It being on stage was something that you'd always thought about doing, as, even even as a young guy. Uh, but comedy wasn't necessarily what that what shape it was going to take. I think you're a natural up there. You know, it's like everything else. I, I do these shows. It's, I don't call myself. I, I call myself a humorist because I don't really think I'm that funny. 
but I get last, so I guess that's good. Uh, but, yeah. none the, but you know, nonetheless, it feels natural being in front of a live audience. I think that might encapsulate the entire feeling for me that I can relate back to what you do is that, you know, Dwayne Johnson told me this many times, you know, there's nothing like no matter what the big movies he's done, it's all great. The paydays are phenomenal, et cetera, et cetera. But nothing gives him the buzz, the adrenaline rush as performing in front of a live audience. And, and so I kind of feel that I said, well, you know, this is new for me. It's a challenge for me, but boy, you, when you get on stage, it was very a natural transition. Did you have nerves? Was it just something that felt right? Did you have any, any challenge, uh, challenging times adjusting to being on the stage? Yeah. When I first uh, started going up on stage, I was nervous mostly because I would prepare some material and then I would be afraid that my nerves would make me forget what I was going to say. And I would get up there and, and uh, you know, and space out. And uh, the more I did that, the more comfortable I, I got with it. Um, when I did my first comedy tour, I tried to prepare to do like uh, 45 minutes worth of comedy. But one thing I find is a lot of people don't want to give me the, the light. When you're on stage, they give you a cue. They shine a flashlight and let you know when you got you know a couple minutes left. And that's out of courtesy. Um, but they think they're insulting me, especially when I'm the main event. And so I often don't get the light. And so the very first day that I went to uh, to start the tour, um, which I think was this tour that we recorded, but anyway, I did like uh, an hour and uh, 15 minutes. And so um, after that, then I knew I had enough material that it was more comfortable. I, I didn't have to always have it set up. I could just go out there and see which jokes come to my mind and in which order. I like to do it both ways, but either way, I find that um, everyone is there to see me. They're holding on to, to my words. Um, so it's not like I have to meet their expectations. They love me and, and they just want me to be me. And that's what I give them. And it, it works really well. And I enjoy it. Yeah. You can tell, you can tell you had fun doing it. Well, do you have more comedy tours planned for the future or is this something you're gonna do more of i will be doing more of um comedy tours but i uh, i don't know anything right now you know to to plug i'm considering a lot of uh different options actually in las vegas i have several options where i'm considering doing it like uh, regularly um at a few different venues and i'm just uh i'm comparing the the options i think i I think I know which way I'm going to go, but I'm not sure. So I'll be talking about that real soon where I'll have a, a regular deal um, uh, in Vegas where I'll be uh, probably, you know, several times a week um, or whatever. But, um, that you know, the the traveling is something that I'm over. You know, like yeah. I really <laughs> didn't enjoy traveling when I was uh, traveling full time. And, and, and even now that I'm not traveling, I still travel a lot more than, than regular people, even if it's only a couple times a month. Right. But uh, that would be ideal for me to be at one place um, where I could, uh, where people would come to see me. So yeah. Vegas would be the place to do it. Yeah, I, there's, some, there's some people who have done real well in that concept. And that eliminates yeah. a lot of your travel and your audience comes to you, so you go into them. Not a bad deal. Yeah, and I love Vegas. And I've always had more friends in Vegas than I even had uh, in L.A., which... Well, I've been living in L.A. since, like, 2001, and I've always had uh, more connections, everything, and always felt drawn to Las Vegas. But having said that, I'm not really trying to do anything. And that's something that I find a lot of people can't relate to me in, um, is everyone, and it's, you know, it's respectful or whatever, but, you know, the whole get up early and, you know, for, you know first the early bird gets the worm and, and, and that whole, I don't, I don't look at, at it like that anymore. I really like doing less and less. 
all the time. And I tell people that may joke, you know, and I say I've always been trying to work less and make more money. And everyone's, <laughs> well, me too. But I really don't think everybody really, really does. Everyone has that, that drive, which is great. Um, but I don't have it as much, that, that drive where and people will say, hey, how's that comedy going? You know, I know you're trying to do that. I'm not trying to do anything. I'm just being me. <laughs> and I have several different platforms to be me. And, and I'm grateful and I appreciate that. But, um, you know, business is business. I'm always willing to consider good business. Uh, but at the same time, I'm really, you know, happy, semi-retired and, uh, you know, planning my day around uh you know, whatever, uh, whatever I need for, to keep my Zen. It's keeping Zen. It's keeping that vibration regardless of what life throws at you. That's, if I had to, if I had to put it in one sentence, what my goal is every day with being alive, it's just, uh, you know, avoiding stress. Uh, as I know you've heard me say before and just, you know, keeping that vibration up. Yeah. No, I, 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 I buy into that concept a lot. Uh, you know, I think, uh, watching this, uh, the movie, with the, with you and how you interacted with your with Katie, the significant other, uh, really was uh, enlightening to me because one of the sad parts about our business at times, not all the time, not for everybody, but there are there there are illustrations within our business where men haven't always treated their their significant others well, uh, or they thought maybe a, a Louis Vuitton purse was all it took. And, <laughs> right. You know, and uh, but I saw a, a connection with you guys where you I can see you guys having long conversations and being and, and, and being like you said in your in your film is you both got you got each other's back. And that's yeah, I, so hard. That's hard to find, man. And I don't think the boys, quote unquote, uh, appreciate that as much as they should, by and large. And that may just be a societal issue, Rob. I don't know. But some of the male wrestlers could have a lot more happiness, a lot, lot less stress in their life if they didn't try to lead a double life or a triple life and were, were just totally uh, dedicated to, their, to, their, to the woman they married. I get what you're saying. That, you know, my, my dad gave me the, the best advice uh, years ago, and it's all about your priorities. You know, when I was, uh, uh, before I got married, um, Years and years ago, I was on the phone with my dad, and I had this other girlfriend at the time that, like, I had gotten engaged to, and I had no intentions of marrying her. Somehow it was out of convenience. I was young and stupid, and my dad was saying, well, you, you can ask yourself a question and find out if she's the right one for you. But it's that easy. He said, can she always be your number one priority? Because when you're making a decision for your life here, you don't do that any other time. He said, your money comes and goes Houses come and go, you still got each other. Even kids come and go. He said, could she always be so important to you that no matter what else is going on, you could always drop whatever you're doing and go to her if she needs you. And I thought that was the best advice. But then he also tacked on at the end, but then she has to feel the same way about you as well. Um, I was like, Dad, that sounds so, I don't even want to click over if this girl calls right now when I was engaged to her. So that makes so much sense. And when I got married, I thought, okay, I've got the formula. I'm, you know, you, I was very um, um, upfront and, and, and vocal about my my marriage when I was because I was proud. You know, it felt like something that I really accomplished, having somebody that felt the same way that I did about her. But it turns out, you know, she ended up having different priorities, uh, especially after she got cancer, and we just went drifted apart, apart, further and further. Um, 
and it was obvious that she had a lot more important than uh, than me, and uh, and I was way down her list further and further, and that's what happened. Um, I fought it all the way till the end, and and now I look back at it, and I can say I think I did uh, everything that, that I could have. I'm proud of what I did in that marriage, um, and I would have stayed complacent out of loyalty. Um, however. Uh, even though it was all her that wanted it, now now that I realize how happy I can be, I'm so glad it went down that way because um, I've, I've never met anybody that that had my back like Katie. Like, we're, we're partners, and I know that we're not going to let anything in between us. She's, like, amazing, like, like the coolest person I've ever met. And it was just – it's just like I know – um, I know that she's got my back, even if someone was to tell her something about me. Either one of us is like that. We would come to each other before we would like believe uh, somebody else. And it, it just—it really is amazing. I think that people would know—they'd learn a lot more about themselves if they owned their priorities. Because people say, you know, I need to be doing more of this, and how come I can't do that? It's your priorities. List them. See what's really more important to you, and then own them. And you might understand why you live the way you live more. And people need to understand, too, this is what I got in this film, that if you do the same thing every time, you're never going to change. You're never going to grow. And that's what very simple illustration. You, you were one of, the greatest wrestlers, one of the greatest wrestlers ever in the business. You were innovative. You were brave to try new things that other guys would say, are you crazy? I ain't doing that. But I was as amazed at your flexibility. By the way, some of those scenes where you training and the flexibility uh, drills, you kind of, or, or lack of a better word, unbelievable. I don't know how the hell. That must be just like you must have the great muscle memory there or something because your flexibility is still on, out, off the page. Yeah, well, I keep well, thank you, but I keep it up. You know, it's not it's not just remembering, um, but I but I still do keep it up. I'm still. Uh, still training just like just like i always did maybe a little bit more like i'm off season and then you know i wrestle like maybe 10 times a year now as opposed to 220 230 times a year and so i can like train a little bit more serious uh, a couple weeks before i have a match coming up and then you know get a lay off a little bit but i still that's that's part of what keeps me balanced though is uh stretching and, and lifting and uh still feeling like i'm at my best if you if you stay ready you don't got to get ready right that's right exactly hey uh for those that want to watch this film and i uh wholeheartedly r- recommend anybody listening is going to enjoy this uh especially if you if you love the genre of pro wrestling if you followed the career of rob van dam if you have a, a conscience about cte and it's not all about CTE. It's not all about the bad news. It's not all about the dark side. But it points out that there is a dark side in all of our lives. That, that And I'm just thinking maybe if you had to do all over again, would you have gotten more thoroughly checked on those other concussions? Because the number that you you, you believe you've had is scary, man. It's really scary. You're luckier in hell you're not a vegetable. I I am very I'm, I'm very fortunate and grateful. And, and now, of course, when I'm in the ring, um, I'm a lot more conscious of uh, whacking my head. You know, we, I just thought that was part of the job before, like years ago. And then when I learned from Chris, Chris Nowinski, um, you know, who studies brains up in uh, Boston, yeah. when I learned from him what a concussion is, um, you know, just just a difference, an alteration in your in your consciousness. Like you get whacked in the head. 
sometimes you're just like, whoa, you, you feel a little dizzy for a second, or you see stars. Uh, sometimes Balls Mahoney would hit me with a chair, and everything would be in oh. slow motion, or the sound oh. would go out. <laughs> no I kidding. never knew that those were all concussions. And once I learned that, I thought about it, added it up, and yeah, I've had hundreds and hundreds throughout my career, and I just never really thought anything of it. Um, and it wasn't until recent years, you know, that the studies uh, exposed how dangerous that is and how it can lead to the to the long-term damage and um, it's really scary when you see um, some of the football players that that, that have the degenerative disease and then mm. and what they um, diminish to and then then they eventually die you know they end up usually killing themselves or depressed and uh, I don't want to speak generally when I say usually but I mean if you watch Nowinski's documentary I think it's called Head Games um, they talk about over 99% of the NFL brains that they studied showed it, and that's like really scary. You know, when I watch yeah. this movie, I think about how I don't I don't know I want to say tongue in cheek, but I hear myself in a documentary um, not being in denial, but but I guess keeping that positive edge. But when I hear myself saying things, all right, let's say worst case scenario, <laughs> you know, let's say my brain ends up like that. Well, what I'll do is I'll I'll teach people, I'll educate them. No, worst case scenario, I wouldn't be able to tell you my name. Right. That's something I realize afterwards when I watch it, you know. But but it's something we can all uh, all learn from. Just no doubt. Life. Yeah, no doubt, Rob. You can learn a lot this film. Headstrong is the title. And how and when can folks see it? So it drops uh, February 19th, and it'll be on the digital platforms. That's uh, Google Play, Amazon, iTunes, and Vudu. And if you go to iTunes, uh, you can pre-order it right now. Um, and then February 19th, that's next Tuesday. Boom, it drops for everybody. And I hope everyone will watch it, and I definitely appreciate uh, your, your feedback on it. Oh, I, I think it. everyone will, will, will enjoy it. All the reviews I've gotten have been positive and, and a lot of the qualities that I like to hear about myself um, being um, you know, displayed by other people's uh, favorites. You know, people say, oh, you're so genuine, you're so honest. I love that all that comes across in this. It was a, it's a keeper, folks. Uh, drops on February 19th. You can go to iTunes. There's the same folks that carry this podcast and, and, uh, and pre-order. It's going to drop on Tuesday the 19th. You'll be reading all about it on the, uh, on the Internet. Uh, which you got to be kind of leery of, but nonetheless, it's going to get a lot of play. Uh, and I am one to say, I'll stand in the front of the line and say it's a must-see uh, film, without a doubt. I want to get to a couple of, just before we let you go here, just to be remiss if I didn't ask you, because I've been, our audience asked me to ask you questions, and I'll ask for two or three. Sure. But your favorite promotion you ever worked in? Well, I have to take different standards, you know, to, to go by. Um, in ECW, I had the most fun um, but WWE uh, was better business, and I don't know. I don't just mean I made more money there, but I also, you know, I, they made me into such a bigger worldwide star. Mm -hmm. You know, so that's that's what I'd have to compare. I mean, if I, I'm glad that I that I had the, the WWE career, and that's for the rest of my life. Now people recognize me everywhere I go from that. Um, but the ECW was more fun because I was. In order to have that much fun, you got to be on the up you got to be hungry and and you got to be like still trying to develop i think to have those really fun years what do you see that young wrestlers if you had a, a caucus of these young dudes that have pretty pronounced uh, skill sets but they're not getting over uh 
and I heard, uh, you know, Cowboy Bill Watts, my old boss, one of my mentors, would say, it's not about who goes over, it's about who gets over. Uh, and so what do you, what could, what in a few words could you, could you tell some of these cats, ladies and men on how to get over and what should they, what do they, what are the things they need to do or things they don't need to do to accomplish getting on top? Yeah. You know, that, that does seem to be a question that a lot of guys in the dressing room wonder, um, amongst the, the few that are the most over There's Some of us that always stand out as the favorites. Um, and you know, I, I used to think it was just because of my moves, my move set, and um, and then uh, you know other people they got the characters, and it's like um, there's different ways people try. But I, I think you know that it's that it's uh, it, you got to stand out, obviously, and find a way to stand out in a good way. Um, I think the original Sheik, one thing that he passed on to both Sabu and myself is he taught us to be original. He taught us, um, uh, he said, the way he used to tell us, he'd say, you listen to me, don't listen to anybody else. No one else knows what they're talking about. <laughs> and that was, that, that was the rule that he taught us that, that I, that I um, some, you know, um, subscribed to. Uh, and, and I found a lot of people did things different and um, different than Sheik. But I think now uh, people copy each other so much. It didn't used to be like that. I was, I've always been amazed that most of my moves haven't been ripped off yet. You know, sometimes I'll see somebody do one of my moves, you know, it's like, oh, okay, okay, well, hey, you can't patent a move, and at least it took them 15 years to, you know, <laughs> yeah. to go after that one. But there's still so many of my moves they haven't done. But when it comes to other wrestlers, they all do each other's moves. And I've been in the wrestling schools, um, like with Katie, when she's uh, training, um, trying to help her out a little or, or whatever. And it's like, we don't even know how to do a headlock yet, and they're doing hurricane runners off the top yeah, rope. That's insane. Uh, yeah. Seems it's like they're just learning how to do the moves, but it's all about making the moves mean a lot. And then to make it mean a lot, you have to connect with the crowd. You have to get the people to feel the emotion that that you're desiring them to feel, and it, with the move, but at the, the whole time, you got to. There's a way you stay connected to the crowd so that they don't feel like they're just watching you on TV. And I think a lot of people miss that. And then they think that um, that they're getting it just by turning to the crowd and, and putting a big ugly face on. <laughs> yeah. They all do that. I don't, yeah. yeah, I don't get that either. That's about as original as apple pie. Been around yeah. a while. Come on, give me something else. <laughs> go 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 back in the kitchen, cook something else, will you? I've had that yeah. before. Uh, do you think that young talents who seem to be reluctant to sell perceive that selling is a sign of weakness of course i think that we i think that's normal when we start out that, that we think that um and then after a while if um hopefully they get it like i do where that's where as a baby face that's like that's that's where a lot of my power is is like i'm, I'm getting the, I, i'm bringing the people along with me i'm 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 letting them i'm sharing my pain with them so they can see and feel like they, they're watching these nasty bumps I'm taking. They're seeing how it's affecting me, and they're emotionally involved in it. And I keep them coming along, and then, like, boom, I throw an elbow, and everyone's behind me like, yes, okay, keep going. You can turn it around. Oh, get <laughs> yeah. the carpet ripped out from me. That's that's a lot of the fun of um, of the match is taking that heat. And um, and, it, and and you can control the you know the the whole tempo of the match and everything. It's it's definitely something. At first, you you look at it like, well, I think he got seventy percent of the match, and I only got thirty. And it takes a while for you yeah. to understand that you're both involved 
every bit of the storytelling process. I know our match have gotten five stars. If you'd only put out a little bit more effort type deal, you know, because we've got to have those five stars. I was always more concerned about what the boys got paid than what the, uh, anybody, how many, what the rating was in their match on, on TV. Uh, I want to ask you, uh, it's kind of hard not to be somewhat aware of it. I don't know how much of it you are, but this, the new promotion that's getting, uh, getting ready to unfold, uh, AEW, they have another sellout on their resume. Uh, they sold out the MGM Grand Garden Arena for their show in May on, on uh, Memorial Day weekend, I guess. So, uh, yeah. what do you think about that? I, I'll tell you, I'm not going to precondition because you're your own guy. I think the more opportunities that folks in our business, dudes like you and me and Katie and others, the more more places we have to go earn a, a payday, the better it is for everybody. That's my take on it. What's your take on AEW? Yeah. I agree with what you said. And if you look at any of my interviews from like four or five years ago, I told everybody this is exactly what was going to happen. I saw all the different territories um, growing with the local support that feels like they're part of the promotion and they want to see every, every their own local group succeed. And I saw that popping up all over, not just in this country, in other countries. And I said it's going to be like territory again where – People have a lot more places to work, and, and it's exciting right now. With the, with the AEW, it's exciting. Uh, at the same time, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not trying to talk smack about them, but I am just saying that you know, throughout throughout our our careers, how many times have we seen uh, a new company come up and and every, all the boys get excited? Yeah, they're going to sign everybody up to guarantees, and now they got Major League Baseball behind them, and they're going to have health insurance, and all the guys get all excited, and then usually, like, boom, it ends up not happening uh, or falls apart. Um, with the AEW, I'm not saying that's going to happen. I'm just saying they have to prove history wrong, and right. I hope that they do. But I find that um, a lot of people that are very wealthy that have a lot of money they have a lot of money because they're smart with the money. So if they spend a lot and they don't make it back and they start losing money after a while, they usually stop funding it. Um, I hope that AEW um, proves all the, you know, predecessors wrong and ends up being, uh, being, you know, something substantial uh, like it already is. So it's exciting. It's exciting. And I'm, you know, I'll wait and see, uh, uh, see, see how it develops. I agree. I agree. I, and me too. Hey, listen, I, I appreciate your time today. Uh, I really uh, am glad that we got a chance to talk. Thank you for sharing your film with me. Folks, it's called Headstrong. It's on iTunes and other digital platforms. iTunes is easy for me to say. It's one I use. And uh, you can pre-order it because it drops, or as I said about our show, it escapes on February 19th. So check that out, Headstrong. Uh, Rob's uh, executive producer, and uh, it's a it's an interesting look at a comedy tour. It's an interesting look at a wrestler's life. It's an interesting look at a at a wrestler who's probably had more great matches behind him than he has ahead of him because that's what Father Time does to everybody. That's just the way it is. No doubt. Uh, by the no way, doubt. I don't feel like, I feel yeah. like I proved whatever I had to prove. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> At this point, I hope everyone watches the movie. Thanks so much for having me on the show, and thank you for watching the movie. I'm so glad that you enjoyed it, and uh, I hope that everybody else will as well. You did well. Hey, is your tag team match with Sabu still on? Yes, it is. That's going to be uh, WrestleCon weekend in New York for April. Um, this match, it's a one-off, by the way, uh, match that I didn't realize was an impact match 
uh, match. So so now everyone's excited because they think I'm going back to to Impact, which I may work future dates with them. At this, sure. at this point in time, I don't have any obligations, but uh, that's what happened there. And it's gonna Sabu and I we haven't tagged in many years, so I'm looking forward to that. And we're we're gonna wrestle uh, Pentagon and, and, and Phoenix. Yeah, that should um, be good. Yeah, for sure. No, somebody needs to lo- notify LaGuardia because <laughs> there'll be moving objects in the air. I got a feeling. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, well, listen, man, again, thank you a lot. Congratulations on your film. It, it drops on Tuesday, February 19th on iTunes. Check it out, folks. Headstrong, starring the executive producer, the booker, the top babyface, my friend, Rob Van Dam. Rob, thanks, buddy. Thanks so much, Jim. Everyone can follow me at The Real RVD everywhere, and I'll be following you. Cool. Appreciate you. Man, I really enjoyed the show today, folks. Uh, Rob Van Dam was stellar. Uh, you got to check out uh, his film. Uh, it drops, escapes, whatever you want to say, uh, on Tuesday the 19th. Uh, Rob is uh, – This I saw – I got. I'm lucky I got to see the screener. I got to see the whole movie. It's an hour long. I couldn't recommend you watch it uh, any stronger. Great, great, uh, great piece of business. That side of Rob Van Dam that I've never seen or didn't know existed. Uh, eye-opening experiences and, and situations. Uh, I just think it's uh, Headstrong is a great film. You're going to really like it. You're going to be proud of the business, and you're going to be proud of RVD. Uh, for, don't forget to uh, rate and subscribe in Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify, or wherever you get your Slobberknocker audio. I hope you try to get us to uh, – our goal is 2,000 five-star ratings, so – if you can commence to helping us on that deal, I'd appreciate it. Uh, rating and subscribing what we do. Those five-star ratings are really cool. Um, and uh, next week here on the show, our man Conrad Thompson is going to join us. He's got a lot to talk about. I wonder what it's really like being the son-in-law of Ric Flair. What do you get Ric Flair for his birthday? I'm just wondering. Conrad's building a great reputation and a business in pro wrestling that Nobody, nobody ever heard of Conrad Thompson that long ago. Now he's on the tip of tongues. Connie teased me. Uh, so uh, Conrad here with us next week. We're going to talk Star, Star K2. I'm going to be all over that baby. Some of the biggest names in wrestling, past and present, are going to be involved in, in this event in May in Vegas on Memorial Day weekend. You can't miss it cannot miss it folks so conrad will be here next week tell us all about that while we shall go i'm going to go let to see you there too in two weeks here in the program by the way i i can tell you that uh ww hall of famer the great mark henry who's a star on bust open radio with dave lagreco on sirius xm channel 93 monday through friday uh will be joining us here in two weeks to talk about his radio career to talk about his special night that's going to be uh uh, coming his way at the Cauliflower Alley Club uh, at the end of April, first first day of May in Vegas. So looking forward to talking to Mark about that. And Mark's got a very unique point of view, an informed point of view, on the, on today's business. And I'm really looking forward to talking to him about it. you got to remember where Mark and I started our relationship. He was a headstrong, wide-eyed, bushy-tailed, 400-pounder dunking basketballs at the NBA All-Star Weekend. 
And, you know, Vince and I looked at that and said, we got to have this guy. Then he had a smile that lit up the room, all the good things. But did he have cheeks like Connie? No, my God. Terry Funk's going to be in Vegas, too, for Conrad. Starcade, too. That fat bastard, Ross, he's fatter than you are. No, he's not. No one's fatter than you, you Oklahoma bastard. My brother Dory will be at the Call for Alley Club, too, receiving an award that I should have got. I may do a run-in and whip his ass. Okay. Thanks for stopping by, Terry. We love you. So Conrad here next week, Mark Henry in two weeks. Remember, I'm on Twitter at JRSBBQ. Facebook uh, and Instagram, Jim Ross BBQ. My thanks to Raphael Morphy for our man Dennis in the studio and to Sean Creedle, who's joined our team in official capacity to help us uh, compile information for the show. We appreciate them very, very much. Follow both of them on Twitter. I'd appreciate that. And uh, kind of a melancholy week. You know, I always, my wife Jan and I loved Valentine's Day. And, uh, you know, I always found time for, for, for something. If I had to work that day, the day before, the day after, we always made time for it. And now she's not here to make that time. So I, I feel remiss. But watching Rob Van Dam's film and how he interrelates inter- to his uh, significant other is heartwarming. There's hope for all of us, folks. There's hope for all of us. Love springs eternal. So all I can do is leave with this week by saying uh, happy birthday, Jan, in heaven. And until I uh, hook up with you, uh, we'll talk then. So for everybody here at our place, to your place, thanks for joining us. I'm getting back in that black Escalade. I'm heading down uh, I-44, cutting across the farmland, right into Norman, Oklahoma. And uh, I'll be back with you next week. Lord willing, the creek don't rise. So until then, I'm going to J.R. Jim Ross saying so long, everybody. Westwood One Podcast Network's ENC's Pot of Awesomeness. Your hosts, Edge and Christian, talk wrestling. Betty Phoenix, a.k.a. my wife. You kiss the great Kali yes. and you eliminate him. Kali reacts like somehow you kissing him is like gross to him. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. It's like, in what world? ENC's Pot of Awesomeness. Download it free and easy wherever you get your podcasts from the Westwood One Podcast Network. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.